0: Nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Coming up on Money Beat, Federal Reserve Chairwoman Janet Yellen drops a big hint about what the bank plans to do later this month in terms of interest rates. We will tell you about that. And Snap still looks strong on its second day as a publicly traded company. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now
0: from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Steven Grosser.
1: Hello, friends. How are you? Paul and Steve here in the studios at The Wall Street Journal in New York City, coming to you for The Money Beat Show on a... uh, kind of cold friday in new york city but sunny and i'm happy because uh they earlier in the week they said we're gonna get snow and we're not getting snow so i'm excited about the fact that there's no snow you know why no i have no idea reason i don't have to shovel so that's why i'm excited no shoveling no snow means no shoveling
2: i i thought it was because you were wearing your fancy shirt
1: uh, yeah, I am wearing my fancy shirt, aren't I? You noticed that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You're you're, you're
2: meeting with big-time directors today. I did. the Hollywood set. <laughs> I mean, you're a star, Paul.
1: Uh, it, it is true. It is true. Yes, I did have a meeting with a director today. So you know.
2: And he's wearing the shirt his wife bought so I'm for wearing him. i one
1: My one oh. fancy shirt. <laughs> is that
3: the shirt? Whenever you meet a director, you wear yes, that shirt. Yes, it is. Uh,
1: whenever I meet anybody who's not you know in the business world. Yeah. <laughs> so like so, what? Because the business world, you can wear your spotlight gear. They expect it. You can look like a you know boring reporter. Well, I was going to say like but, uh, the,
2: the reality is Paul, Paul. if you don't know, writes Walking Dead recaps um, every I do uh, uh, during the, the during all, the Walking good. Dead season every every Sunday night, and um, and he's also working on a book on the Walking Dead. Thank you. Gross and weren't freedom. you not going out? Like, I think it was a few months ago. You were going out to a party related to the Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah. Right? Some of the and his wife and hears like. this. And it's like, there is no way you are wearing <laughs> your normal clothes to go out with the Hollywood set. So she went out, bought Paul bought some fashionable clothes, clothes and, and, and made Paul look like, you know, yeah, he was a player.
1: Because she basically has to drag me kicking and screaming to so ever buying new clothes. Is this the full outfit
4: she bought you then?
1: No, I bought these pants on okay, my own. Okay.
4: Yeah. <laughs> We've
2: already commented <laughs> on that today. At, at like, but is it safe to so say that whenever are, whenever you wear this shirt,
3: <laughs> you know I bought those on my own. <laughs> whenever you wear this shirt, though, you're doing something important. There's is a that good the chance I'm doing something
1: that's a little more exciting than my normal day-to-day life. Hey, wow. hey, hey. Thanks. Right. all right, not that you my have normal a, you day-to-day, have an day-to-day life. Job. Yes, yes, writing stories for the paper, podcasting, those are all exciting things too. Uh, let's talk about something far, far more interesting than anything I did today. Let's talk. All right, today we're going to talk about both Janet Yellen and Snap. Because uh, they're both interesting. Let, let's start with Janet Yellen, because I, I think that is far more germane. Even though the market, I mean, at this point, you have to think that the market is pretty much on board with the idea that the Fed is going to raise rates at its pretty mean. much. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs>
2: I mean, it has gone from what around thirty to ninety percent in the right. uh, Fed yeah. fund futures market. I mean, the the market. Thinks March is going to see a right right. rate
1: increase. I mean, so so Janet Yellen this afternoon, one o'clock New York time during market hours delivers a speech, which at at other times you know that might have really upset the market. She's speaking in the middle of the day, live trading, and she basically comes out and and look, she didn't say March we're going to raise hikes raise rates. They're never going to say that. But she said "With
2: we could move—we're going to—you know, there's a good likelihood we're going to move if the economy stays on exactly. track. And let's face it, there's only one piece of data between now and then that could possibly derail the right. Fed from— which, which uh, is you know, the,
1: the jobs report. So—and you know what? I just realized we didn't even do— uh, Corey Dreibush and Ben Eisen are here in the studio with us. I'm sorry, I just talked, <laughs> Grocer threw me off. You brought up the shirt; it threw me off. Uh, so I did not even introduce our guests with whom we are going to talk about the markets. So uh, Corey, you know you follow the markets; part of our our markets team, yeah. Very, very benign reaction to Janet Yellen.
4: Yeah, stocks basically didn't move. I thought what was interesting about her speech, we really thought that March is still on the table. Fed Fund Futures, before her remarks came out, already were almost double what we were um Earlier this week, but she also made the comment about we'll probably see another rate hike this year, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be that shocking. But the last two years, we've only had one rate hike a year, right. so right. the fact that we might move this early in the year and it's already being telegraphed that we're going to have at least one more—that's pretty—that's pretty, that's pretty and important. And then, and and you the know, market's
3: cool with it,
4: yeah. And the market totally
3: cool with it's it. Fine. Well, I yeah. mean, just some backdrop. I mean, like the over the last couple of years, it's been impossible to convince the market. That the Fed will raise rates as quickly as the Fed says it's going to raise rates you right. know the in tw- at the end of twenty fifteen they penciled in four rate increases. The market was pricing in one, two maybe um, right. and they only got through one. I mean the Fed has really sort of underwhelmed in terms of like the speed at which they're normalizing policy and now. Uh, the market was was kind of jumping ahead of Yellen here, pricing in the fact that maybe a rate hike was going to come in March right. and mm-hmm. and uh, almost kind of excited for it. The sto- oh. stocks that are near record highs and, and, and yet here we are mm-hmm. probably getting a rate hike this month.
2: Well, I mean, I think this was like this week was an interesting week because you had some important data, but you also had a, a lot. Of Fed speakers, right. and and right. and and the real change in sentiment about the market sentiment about whether March was on the table or not came on Tuesday, and what you had is uh, William Dudley, head of the New York Fed, speaking late, um, said that you know the Fed uh, could very well move in March. Then you had Trump speak, and the market—that it was after Trump spoke that you saw the Fed fund futures market, which is where people bet on whether when, when, the, when the timing of the Fed raising uh, rates. Um, that that began to move after Trump, and it was almost as if the fact that Trump didn't. You know, say anything that was going to disturb the market. Um, basically, you know, he, he didn't give any clarity and details on policy, but he didn't really mess up the the speech. The right, market right. then started moving. He ran teleprompter on for an hour. Yeah, yeah. And the the market started moving. Um, and for, I mean, at that point, yeah. you could see the line and it was straight up. And every single speaker... Um, you know, m- m- you know the Fed, uh, Fed Governor Brainerd spoke. She's one of the biggest doves. What she said was, you know, the, the risks are f- almost balanced now. That was a very a strong signal, I think, to the market that the Fed right. was concerned uh, right, you know, as well. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. I, I will tell you honestly, at this time a week ago, I knowing that we were going to get all these Fed speakers this week, I, I did not think that they would come out as you know, I'm going to say forcefully. They weren't really forceful, but, I mean, more in unison. No, I mean, yeah, they they pretty much have let the market know that the meeting at the middle of this month is going to involve a rate hike. I didn't think that they would be as as emphatic about that point.
4: Yeah, because think just a week ago, and maybe this my time has been warped but i think it was just a week ago that the yield on the 10 year treasury hit its lowest level since late november so no, you're right, so right about so that like
1: you are right about a that.
4: week ago things were going a different direction utility right. stocks were up 4% last week we it seemed like we were almost going the opposite direction um yeah. just such a short period right. of time ago. No,
2: no, we were writing like you know, the, the markets are coming more convinced yeah. that March is not on the table. Yeah. <laughs> I mean one thing that switched like that. And mm-hmm. you could you saw that also in the Fed fuj- yeah. Fund futures market because we we were up closer to fifty percent, then we went back to thirty and then we soared this week.
4: And it wasn't just the Fed speakers either. I know that when I talked to traders this week, a lot of people pointed out the personal consumption um, yeah. data and right, that that yeah. inflation number was good. So there was also some data camp coming out yeah. that also supported 1.9. Yeah, that was that was yeah. one
3: aspect that I think has probably been been not talked about as much as it should be as as sort of a driving factor here. You had personal uh PCE, Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, uh, Fed's targeting 2%. This was at 1.9%, which is not quite the Fed's target, but considering that it's been under the Fed's target for- more than four years.
4: So it's one of the closest we've gotten. It, I think it, it is, is the closest, closest. Yeah. at least yeah.
3: in a number of years, and that's uh, that's that's pretty uh, substantial. Given that you know everyone's waiting on inflation to materialize, and here it is, uh, having ticked up over the past couple and of then, months. And then there are the so. ISMs,
2: both of service and manufacturing. Yeah. Um, both of those are uh, look strong. Um, which bodes well for the economy,
3: right? And so, like measures of consu- uh, consumer sentiment, which but, are which are like soft indicators. So you know, what do they really say about the economy? Maybe maybe not that much about the economy, but. But it, but it shows that there's sort of a resiliency to the way people are thinking about yeah. monetary policy. Yeah. That maybe a, so a rate the, hike the, isn't necessarily going to knock down sentiment, knock down right. stock prices.
2: One of the, one of the I think the things though that had been the wild card hanging over what the Fed did, and you saw it in the minutes for them from the December meeting, was tr- the tr- policies coming out of the Trump administration, and we haven't got any more clarity on that. Um, and that's one of the things I think a lot of people have been saying, like, without that clarity, can the Fed move? Because they don't know how that's going to interact and impact the economy. But I think the Fed's looking at an economy that is, you know, gradually improving and showing resilience, and they need to keep optionality open. I mean, if they want to do three hikes this year, if they ever want to quicken the pace because of how the economy reacts, they need to go now. This gives them a lot more Mm -hmm. optionality. The other thing too is and we've written about it Ben you've written about this the financial conditions still good not you know they're not high um and the calm around the globe economically is
3: pretty good It's true it's true I I I think I wrote something like a week or two ago with a headline to the effect of everything's lining up in the fed's favor and and not only has it lined up in terms of data being good uh financial conditions being uh pretty tame, but it's it's stayed that way. I mean, here we are, uh, yeah. you know, a week and a half out from the Fed meeting and 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 everything is pretty much, you know, the perfect conditions for a rate increase. Yeah. So
1: all right. So but, uh you know, uh, as the soothsayer told Caesar, beware the Ides of March, but it seems like for the market the Ides of March are gonna be cool.
3: Yeah, nice. I did it. think Yeah. Well, yeah well, <laughs> I mean, we'll have to we we'll have to circle back. I mean, well, yes. if, if mid month yes, we just then, see it, and, yeah, you know, thanks, I'm, thanks I'm just imagining a situation in which, in which we we <laughs> t- we say that this was a
1: good ending, and you just you well. I was yeah. oh, really, uh, thanks for you know <laughs> stepping all over my ending there, right, Justin. Justin
2: Layhard it? used that in his lead of the herd talking about the Fed. Uh,
1: I did not see that. I wasn't stealing it from Justin. All right, look, let's take a break here. When we come back,
0: snap. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app.
0: WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Money Bee Podcast. Paul and Stephen here in the studio, along with Corey Driebusch and Ben Eisen. And uh, boy, in the break, we almost started a whole new conversation about the economy and the Fed and the markets. But we have to cut it off because we have to talk about Snap. Day two, Snap as a publicly traded company and... uh the bane
2: of Paul V's existence. No, it's not the bane of
1: my existence. The bane of my existence is my overbearing editor. Oh,
2: oh. Ouch. Is
1: Steven here. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, look, man, I'm not a fan of Snap, but clearly uh, there are a lot of other fans out there. The stock doing well again, day two, right, Ben?
3: Day two, indeed. Do you it have an account? Was up about fourteen oh, percent. You have a Snapchat account? No,
1: I did. I did. He tried to. I tried to.
3: It's really hard to uh, figure out if you're over the age of twenty-five. I think. Uh, I, what, what, I I did,
4: I must admit, I did spend Thanksgiving having a teenager explain it to me and show me how to use it and why she uses it so much. I considered it research. Well, yeah, more, more,
2: Maureen Farrell, our Intrepid IPO reporter and uh, often a Moneybeat guest, had her, I think, five year old niece uh, show her how oh to use God.
1: it. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. But uh, Ben, can, can we talk about your Millennials piece? Um, sure. Can we talk about that one Grocer? Yeah, is that I, out? Is it out yeah, yet? Yeah, no, we Oh, it talk is. About okay. It. All right. All
3: right. I think it's being edited. By the, yeah. time, this By the time, time this podcast goes drops, out, yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll you're be, sure, out. You're gonna be on the web.
1: Uh, so well, that's a pretty cool story, man. Let's talk about it a little
3: bit. Well, I guess the point being that Snapchat obviously is something that millennials use. This is the disappearing photo app itself is something that that young people really like, but uh it's also drawing in that same crowd as investors. Um, you know, you have people who are uh, in the you know I talked to people in their twenties um disclosure i 'm also in my twenties um and I did not buy Snapchat I mean not that I could but um anyway uh, <laughs> uh young people young people buying snap uh snap stock uh just because they're they're excited about it they they know how it works they see uh they they see what they think is like a a, a very bright future for the stock and and uh you know with all the excitement about the i p o this is this is this is their time You're to kind to of buy uh, what jump know. in, right? Buy what you know, uh, which is a mantra that has been uh, <laughs> used in a lot of in a lot of instances, but in this one as well. So. And it's
2: not necessarily pro- it's not necessarily the best one. It's
3: not necessarily the best. That is true <laughs> well, because a lot of I mean, a lot of people know Twitter. A lot of people, <laughs> right? Like,
2: exactly. That's... I mean, there are a host. I mean, we've gone through this. A lot of people knew Groupon. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of tech IPOs have gone, you know, companies have gone public, and they got a nice one-day pop, and yeah, that was
4: about it. Yeah, look at Etsy, look at Twitter, a lot of those, Lending Club, that's a, that's another topic. Yeah, one.
3: yeah. I mean, it, so it, it's- So maybe buy what you know, right.
1: but do a little research on it, too.
4: Yeah, and do, and look into the company's uh, fundamentals as well, and, and that's what was What actually has fascinated me about this IPO covering it was talking to portfolio managers who would go on for a half hour on the phone with me about all the problems with Snap, concerns about their daily active users aren't growing as fast. That seems to be petering off. Um, How are they ever going to get their revenue per user up? Um, What about monetization in general? And what about competition from Instagram that launched their stories back in August that seemed to be Maybe taking away maybe some share from uh, from Snap. So after thirty minutes of going over all of these problems and why not to buy it, then I would say, oh, so you're considering it, but probably not participating. And they said, oh no, we're participating. This is going to be a big IPO. And is that so it's oh fascinating? Is, yeah. And is that
2: a product of the fact that there's been so few tech IPOs over the last since like the beginning of two thousand, really since you know, the end of the second half of 2015.
4: Definitely. Uh, We have seen very few tech IPOs and very few big tech IPOs. I mean, last year was the slowest year for U.S. listed tech um, companies going public since 2009. For IPOs in general, it was the slowest year since 2003. And we haven't seen any really these hot big unicorn names come. I mean, we saw like Nutanix last year was a unicorn tech name. But ask—they're doing very cool stuff. But ask any person on the street: Do you know Nutanix? Right, and right. no one's going to know yeah, that.
1: Or, or even people in the studio. Okay. <laughs> but I,
2: <laughs> interestingly, I think they fell fourteen percent over uh, after hours yesterday. I was looking at that.
1: Who did? Uh, Snap.
2: Nutan- Nutanix. Oh, Nutanix. Uh, yeah. um, one of the like, one of the things I think is sort of interesting in where it's trading right now and the and the price is the analysts and, and you talk to Ben, you talk to millennials who are excited and were buying this um and saw a lot of, you know, prospects for this company. Wall Street's analysts, the ones that could come out with reports, do not.
4: Yeah. I mean
3: they're yeah. pretty much That's consistent. Twenty two
4: dollar price targets though. Yeah.
3: Some of them are lower. There was there was one that was at ten dollars, which is uh I wow. mean Snap's trading at like twenty seven dollars or so right now, mm-hmm. which is I mean I, I, it is kind of interesting that um you know analysts are usually a pretty bullish bunch but uh not on this stock uh they've they've seen all these tech stocks decline after their IPOs um meanwhile investors who have seemed to be so bearish are just like clamoring for the stock maybe it's not the most appropriate comparison here but but it does seem to be something of a of a flip in terms of like who's who's who has a positive view and who has a negative view in some respects. And but Snap,
4: the, the, to give them credit, I mean, how they did the IPO. That's what I was going to they, d- they did a really good, I mean, the bankers, I I would say. And we know that Snap also played an unusual role. Um, their chief strategy officer, Imran Khan, used to be a banker at uh, Credit Suisse and helped with the Alibaba IPO. So he's known what he was doing. And they were very careful and in who they allocated shares to. And we saw a real concentration About of the 200 million shares they sold, about 120 million of them went to 25 accounts. Which is unusually concentrated. Um, then 50 million of those shares went to a strategic um, investor, who we learned today was NBC Universal, and as well as a couple other um, investors. And th- those 50 million shares, I guess, they were subject to a one-year lockup. So that leaves about 30 million shares for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've heard is that kind of a lot of people did get allocations, but they got much smaller allocations than they asked for. Which led to it was a smart way to do it in the sense for an after the market pop because those investors in the thirty million who wanted more, a lot of times mutual funds they can't have a tiny five hundred share position on their books. They need to buy more or sell it all. So a lot of them were trying to build up those positions in the first day of trading, right. or as it seems today that we're up another eleven, twelve percent in the second day of trading. And that's well
2: that's that's. I mean, I think there are a couple of things like. For you know, people like the retail investor who's you know buys into an IPF, you really have to be careful. Yes, and because the the first you know quarter, first three months at least, if not year, there are a lot of flash points that can cause volatility in stocks, cause them to have big dips or big jumps. And you if you're if you want to be a long term investor, you need to really I think have a strong sort of constitution. Um as you go through as as a, as a company goes through the, um this process. And
3: these lock up periods make it, you know, even yeah. more of a of a, uh, a difficult path to navigate because, you know, when the lockup expires, that can that can be a big trigger for a yeah, stock price to go down. Yeah,
2: that's what it precisely I was referring to. You yes. have lockups. You also have 45 days. I think it's 45 days. It might be less now, regulatory, where you have the analysts for the underwriters are able to come out with their reports. Um, that can cause the stock to get a big boost or if they're really negative to fall, um, so there's just yeah.
4: and, their, well, and their first quarterly earnings. Yeah, I mean, the, the these right. are investors right. who were very skeptical or concerned, but still bought in because they believed that the IPO would go well, and they probably want to see at least how that first quarter goes. Well, and,
1: and that's the thing. And we kind of have to wrap this up. So I just want to ask, not yeah. to. Well, I did just step on your your no, comments, that's, Corey. That's sorry fine. about go that. Go for it. But uh, Ben stepped on mine earlier, so we we're all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you know, so they pull off the great IPO, right? I mean, they did well. It was day, successful. A, no, so it honestly, was successful. They, right?
2: they, like, they, that IPO went as well as I think they wanted it to because they did not want a bigger pop than that. And right. they did not, and, you know, 100 well, percent
1: so, so, you know, we were talking about it on this podcast earlier. Well, they have Twitter's IPO or Facebook's IPO. They had Twitter's IPO. Now the question is, and Ben, I want to know what the analysts think about this. The, the question then becomes, are they going to have Twitter's business or Facebook's business? And it sounds like analysts are a little bit concerned that they're going to have Twitter's business.
3: I mean, I think uh, I think there's a lot of concern among everyone. No one really knows which direction this is going to go in, and, and especially now since we've had a number of high-profile social media IPOs, we know that there's two directions that that, that this can go in. Um, and yeah, I mean, people. I mean, given that, I think people are are worried. Not only about the Twitter scenario where you have a, a company that kind of continues to decline and decline, but also think about Facebook's IPO where, you know, the, the stock, uh, I guess it held up kind of on the first day. It didn't really get much of a pop and then it just continued wow. to slide and slide and slide over the coming months. Yeah. Um, that, that That's also a situation in which th- that they're sort of worried about. Although, okay. of course, Facebook stock has now gone up like but, I mean, th- but, threefold since then. But that's but, also,
2: I mean, that speaks to Corey's point about how they managed the IPO and mm-hmm. how well the IPO went. You If you have such a small number of shares being traded, that can help. I mean, remember, Facebook sold so Facebook much, raised, yeah.
1: kind of- what, $14, $15 billion yes. in that IPO? No, it was they, more than it was that, more, yeah, they took. Yeah. I mean, they they took everything they could get. Yeah, right. it also, I mean, like,
4: right. yeah, it's a learning experience for the underwriters. Like Morgan Stanley was an underwriter yeah. on Facebook, and they were the lead underwriter, lead left underwriter on um, on Snap, and they they did a great job this time. Yeah. Right, like,
2: and I would say, like, uh, the you know, uh, Snap had a less of a pop than Facebook. Um, it's it's pop. Oh yeah. It's it, I mean, uh, less of a pop than Twitter. Sorry. Yeah. And it, you know, it it was more in line with what was like, you know, 34% has been the average pop that a tech company going public has sort of had. So it's more in line with that. But I do think that, like, one of the differences, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they monetize and how they can generate advertising. But when in the comparison with Twitter I'm, always concerns me because... You know, Twitter's management and its leadership of that company from the founders was in utter chaos and continued to be in chaos. They all, you know, they had, I think, three or four CEOs. Yeah, they just just keep taking turns. They couldn't decide what Twitter was, what it should be, what, you know, the vision was clouded. And I think that. You need like you know when you have the founders in charge and they're strongly in charge and they have a strong vision that that generally bodes better for a company, whether that means it's going to be facebook, it does nowhere near the user size that Facebook has. Facebook was you know largely ubiquitous by the time it had right, gone public. Right.
3: And I think we should also oh. just be careful saying, you, you know, in terms of these comparisons here, mm-hmm. because, I mean, Snap is unlikely to look like either of them, to be honest. Exactly. And no one yeah, really knows what Twitter is going to be like in a year, let alone five years. I right. mean, uh, we talk about Twitter as this sort of besieged company right now, but, like, who knows? Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. move quick.
1: A good point. it's a good point. All right. Ben Eisen, Corey Driebush, Steve Grosser, Paul Vigna. Everyone, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. And
0: we'll catch up with you soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.